Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I unpack what it means to live a movement-based lifestyle. Most modern humans today live a sedentary lifestyle, one with very little movement, lots of sitting in chairs, and it's really costing us our health big time. In this episode, we wanted to review the fact that exercise isn't enough to offset 10 hours a day of sitting in a chair and discuss ways of incorporating more movement and less sitting in the other 15 hours of your day that matter most. This episode is sponsored by tfc-shop.com. It's an online store. We're based in Canada, but we ship all over the globe and we carry footwear that doesn't mess up your feet, that have a wide toe box, that are flexible, have a thin sole, uh, and basically just let your feet function as if they were barefoot. We also sell toe spreaders, lacrosse balls, things to help open up and restore your feet in optimal toe alignment. And we also sell balance beams that help you reclaim a stable and injury-free lower body if they're used consistently. We ship almost anywhere on the planet. um, And you can check out what we've got there at tfc-shop.com. This episode is also uh, brought to you by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases. They make super high-quality, professional-level cases to keep your goodies secure during travel. And we use a wide variety of their products to transport gear for seminars, workshops, film sessions. Um, just really, really good stuff. No complaints. We use them often, and they keep all of our stuff protected and, and avoid all the electronics getting broken during travel. Um, you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. We hope you enjoy. It's the TFC. Audio project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. Uh, today's episode is going to be strategies for a movement-based lifestyle. So we're going to talk about um, how most humans today live a sedentary lifestyle. We're going to talk about the consequences of a sedentary lifestyle, what that even means, and more importantly, we're going to talk about how to incorporate more movement into your life, uh, and we're not talking about exercise. So we're going to, um, at some point, we'll make the distinction between movement and exercise, and you know, today is really a conversation about the other 15 hours, You know, not the eight hours you sleep, not the one hour that you might exercise, but the other 15 hours that actually end up being the most important when it comes to your global health. So... Um, Like we said, most humans today are living a sedentary lifestyle, a lifestyle that involves little to no physical activity, huge amount of sitting in chairs, um, apart from maybe an hour of exercise, and it's a massive reason why our bodies are breaking down prematurely. So educating people on uh, on a sedentary lifestyle is, uh, we find, especially in our clinical practice, very important. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the problem stems from just the way society is set up these days. So part of what we'll do at the end is talk about maybe ways to restructure that so you can so you can engineer your environment that'll be a big concept of of making it more movement friendly and uh, being yeah. able to get more active but taking away your opportunity to be sedentary and actually promoting you know without you having to think about it promoting an environment or engineering an environment that allows that promotes more movement without mm-hmm. you even thinking about it because that's the big one right it's like to build habits you have to create a setting in an environment that automatically feed into good habits and remove the possibility to fall into bad habits. So I think why we got here in the first place is it's just it's too easy to not move these days. And human beings, it's all about conserving energy. Um, so, so just from an evolutionary standpoint, very, very easy to not move. If you look through most of our history, it's movement was just essential to, to get day-to-day tasks done. So 
something as simple as getting food. Like getting food was something you needed to to move for each day and move then, a lot too. Yeah, move a lot for. You needed to to build shelter. You needed to just do stuff. You needed to get stuff done, physical stuff. Um, and if you think about it on a on that large time scale, that's most of our existence. We needed to move to get stuff done. Period. Yeah, for at least two hundred thousand years, if we mm-hmm. weren't sleeping, we were moving. Yeah. Right. And if you, you know you usually had stuff to do, whether it was, like you said, building shelter, getting food. And if you didn't, you were you were resting. You were conserving energy. The problem is that now we have the opportunity to basically not move all day long. And the human body is, or the human brain, the psychology of our brain is designed to conserve energy whenever possible. And mm-hmm. so if the opportunity is given to conserve energy all day long, um, it's very, very easy to do that. And in fact, society is molded around sitting in chairs. So that's a big element is going to be you know, getting out of the chairs. How do you combat, how do you win the battle of getting getting out of the chair? That's all the, the psychology of it, right? Because if it was up to somebody, most people don't, some people love movement. A lot of people don't at the moment, right? But but if it's almost this like feedback cycle that the more you do, the more you want to do because it's it's rewarding. The, the feeling of it is rewarding. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you're down that path of not having a habit form, then it's just this, the psychology is just so hard to get started because, yeah. again, the couch is so soft and the couch <laughs> is so comfy. comfy. Yeah, I um, mean, I think another thing too is when you say, you know, and, and we want to be clear here, when we say a movement-rich lifestyle, a movement-based lifestyle, we're not talking about exercise, right? People, yeah. think, people have this notion of, oh, I have to be more active, so I got to exercise more. And it's like, well, the exercise you do, exercise is a very small subset of movement. And the movement, the active lifestyle we're talking about is the non-exercise movement that you're getting in, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and actually, I would argue that the, the non-exercise movement you do, or the lack thereof, you know, the other 15 hours, the non-sleep and the non-one hour of exercise, those 15 hours actually determine whether exercise when you do do it is actually a good thing for you or a bad thing for you. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't move for those 15 hours and you're spending the bulk of it sitting in a chair in one position, then the one hour of exercise you do is essentially layering repetitions or load on top of dysfunctional patterns and fast-tracking you to an injury or to breaking down. So for yeah. most people, exercise is actually a bad thing for their health. It can be. It dep- yeah, it depends what we do. But it, it, but I think that's that's a good point is that in order to build the the resilience up and we can relate it even back to feet like it's just being on your feet more is going to build that load tolerance so when you do go for a run or you do go to the gym that's where you don't you know get everything fired up and and mm-hmm. uh and, and don't have the tissue tolerance to be able to do it so it's, so why is that if we're going from like zero to 100 in a lot of cases and that's people's idea of an active lifestyle zero to 100 as opposed to just uh, maintaining this gradual movement uh, throughout the day. And then when you do want to go hard, you're you're better prepared to, mm-hmm. uh, and it's better for you at that point. Right? Yeah, your body knows. Like, active li- first start to an active lifestyle is spend more time fighting gravity. Yeah. Right? Spend, if you're sitting in a chair, you're not fighting gravity. Um, if you're standing or you're moving, you are. Mm-hmm. And that includes the feet. That includes the entire body. Load your body with gravity more frequently. Number one, you get better at understanding how to, to kind of strategize against gravity so you yep. get better at moving if you spend time standing or moving around big surprise um and i think that's step one for a lot of people and it's not a matter of saying oh well sitting sucks so i'm just never going to sit because it's not feasible right it's a shitty strategy it's a shitty mm-hmm. way of putting things forward because it really doesn't give people any help in terms of creating strategies for it um 
but saying, okay, let's talk about sitting. What's sit, what is the low-hanging fruit of sitting that you do in your day-to-day life that is an easy one to peel away first, right? The sitting, uh, we were talking about this before. I think the sitting that most people do at the end of the day on a couch when they're watching TV or Netflix or news or sports or whatever it is, um, is the easiest one, mm-hmm. right? Because even if you start with, okay, when I usually sit down for two hours at the end of the day, the first 15 minutes... I'm going to sit, I'm going to put it down a yoga mat or some, you know, foam mat or something like that on the floor. And for the first 15 minutes of that, I'm going to sit on the floor and I'm going to do a little bit of a hip mobility routine. 15 minutes, like start with whatever you want. If, if five minutes is all you can commit to, what can you realistically commit to doing every single day for a week? And yeah. if that's 30 seconds, whatever, do 30 seconds, right? Create some sort of framework to build a habit. Because mm-hmm. James, James Clear's uh, book called Atomic Habits which I recommend to everyone, is a very, very powerful book. He uses the terminology atomic as in atomic, like very small, like the atom, but also atomic as in the atomic bomb. So very, very small changes create massive changes in the end when they're accumulated and combined together. So mm. create a habit. That's the first thing. And and your optional sitting is the low-hanging fruit in terms of being able to change something where you know, that 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is, not only is it 15 minutes less of sitting, if you do hip mobility during that time, you might be able to offset two, three hours of sitting that you did that day. So it's like a double whammy, and then that could be very powerful. And I think that movement, the good thing about movement is that it is, is, it's a habit that when you get started, it's intrinsically rewarding as opposed to another habit. Like you can get good, you can get into a habit of like, um, you know, keeping on top of your, your, your books or your taxes, like just because you need to do that, but it's yeah. not actually, it's, it's like, not rewarding. it's not rewarding. Really? So it, it and it, but you can get good at that habit of doing it because mm-hmm. it needs to be done. Movement is like, once you start doing it, then it, it's actually like, oh, I actually feel better when I do it. So then it just plows that habit ahead. And I think that for me, one of the things is, um, that's helped me is like prove to yourself. The first step is prove to yourself that it feels better when you do move more so that you have the idea in your head of like, oh, when I, when I move, like my body feels better. I'm less sore. I'm less stiff. Uh, I have more energy. I just feel better. My brain works better. My like everything, works better. our body yeah. is designed to function optimally with movement. And when you remove the movement, you know, our bodies stop functioning optimally. Mm-hmm. And that's both mental function and focus. Um, that's the, the health of your joints. That's the functionality of your plumbing, right? Yeah. Your, your lymph system, your blood flow, uh, your, your ventilation system. You don't breathe as well if you're not moving. Like these are all very, very um, important things to note. And I think, I, I think one of our jobs is the biggest reason that people are going to make changes in their life is, that, is if they actually understand the benefits of making these changes and making it unequivocal and being like, oh, that makes so much sense. I should do this. This matters. But I think a big part of it too is back to that proving that it feels better, right? Because a lot of people um, inherently in their brain, they know it's good for them, but, yeah. but once they actually feel it, that's a different thing, right? True. So once you, once you feel it, then it, then the big, the second step is trust that um, you will feel better after moving because you've, you've proven it to yourself in the past. And that's a big thing for me. So sometimes I won't want to move. Um, or, or, you know, do my, my mobility work or whatever it is. But then I'll, I'll, I'll just recount like, oh, yeah, I said to myself before, it really felt good to move. So then after I do it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just proved it again. Like, yeah. it, and then the more you do that, it's just this, this game that you play with yourself. So you're like, I know now every single time I'm going to move, I'm going to feel better. So that's great. Right. And, and people just don't have that, that psychological cycle going. So it's mm-hmm. just tough to get the, the initial momentum going. And I find with, um, like with patients, especially one thing is, you know, we talked about this on Nick with Nick Hanna on the podcast. We're really 
agents of behavior change. We're trying to give people, one, the motivation to change their behavior, and number two, strategies to be able to implement those changes slowly and consistently and, and building good habits and, and at the same time getting rid of some bad ones. You know, I always ask people, do you shower every day? Most people say yes. Do you brush your teeth every day? Most people say yes. Why do you do those things every day? Do you have the, do you give yourself the option not to do them? And they're like, well, no, I have to do them. You know, otherwise I'm going to stink or otherwise my teeth will get gnarly. It's like, well, yeah, if you don't pay attention to offsetting the effects of the sitting you do, if you don't make that non-negotiable, the reason you're here right now with pain, with joints that are breaking down prematurely is because of that. So those, just like brushing your teeth and taking a shower are non-negotiable. The things you do as part of your daily routine every day, no excuses. You don't, you're not allowed to not do them. Make a small maintenance routine non-negotiable. Yeah. Non-optional. It's there. It's not, it's not, if you get busy or other things happen, it's not one of the things that get taken out of, of getting done every day. And yeah. I think when people look at it in that respect, and we talk about it sometimes too, like we take better care of our teeth than we do our joints. Mm-hmm. That's the thing too, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's so we've got the exercise component. We've got the general movement component, which is probably the biggest part of it. Mm-hmm. But then, like you say, we've also got the component of let's just try to do something small to maintain our joint health each day, and that might be in that that ten to fifteen chunk on the on the floor watching TV, but something dedicated to that yeah because like just moving more is also going to get keep maintain joint health it's going to get your every system moving but you have to um, do both i think you need to do both just to a lot of it is to first of all undo all of the stuff that's happened over time and start working towards getting uh just just getting baseline healthy amount of mobility in your joints uh just getting tissues moving well like these are just some baseline things so you can um so you can move better right it is intrinsically enjoyable right it's like the first time you sit down on the floor in 90-90 sucks. It's terrible. You you get there and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. I don't know why I did this. And then after a week of doing that for even five minutes a day, you're like, wow, this position is way easier for me to get into. This mm-hmm. is interesting. My body's actually changing. And in the course of a week, I can actually feel a tangible change in my mobility, right? Like somewhere yeah. that, I, and for some people, it's a small difference, right? It's like, okay, the minute I went down into a, a, a pure 90-90, a non-modified 90-90, I cramped immediately. You know, my, my hip muscles went into spasm because they'd never been there before. And then a week later, it's like, I, I'm not really much better working into this position, mobilizing it, but I'm not cramping anymore. Mm-hmm. So my body's familiarizing itself with this position and I'm noticing a tangible change. And for some people that I've talked to, that is the, that's the big motivator is they can see firsthand. They don't have to be told that this is good for them. They can see it's good for them because they feel a difference even in the course of a week after being consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost that realization and that light bulb going off is the first domino we just have to try and motivate them to get the first domino to fall. After that, it's like, oh, shit, this actually feels better. My knees don't hurt as much. I'm not as sore. I don't want to sit down as much because I know it's making my hip stiff. And then it's like it's getting people to self-realize this. And the fact that like a lot of times you, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't move as much is because they feel often feel just t- like tired. They just don't feel like doing it. And that's one of the the self-fulfilling prophecies. Like it's it just the less you move, the less you want to move. The more you move, the more you, you want to move. Yep. So so it's like this thing where you once you get stuck in that hole, it's like the battery analogy. It's like 
if you're you're almost like a self-charging battery so the more you start moving that's almost what charges you up it gives you actually more energy not less yeah um and people find that it's counterintuitive at first you're like you think if i moved more i'd get tired well no no you you actually get more energy Mm -hmm. because your body adapts to moving more um and then like all the brain benefits and all of that but like one of the best best ways to get yourself out of like um you know they've done studies on chronic fatigue patients and and, uh people with depression who, who are very lethargic and all of that and it's like and the studies are often on exercise, but it, but exercise it just works wonders on just breaking you out of that lethargy, that that tiredness, that fatigue, that non willingness to do things. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, I can actually move, I can do stuff. It's just like it's like again proving to yourself that you can get stuff done and just move your body. So and like you said, um, it's a feedback loop based on you discovering it, right? Like when I'm if I'm doing some work and I find my brain's just kind of getting foggy and I'm not able to focus, I'm not really getting anywhere. Maybe I'm reading something or writing something. And I'm like, ah, this isn't really going. My productivity is very low right now, right? What I what I should be doing in 10 minutes is taking me 30 minutes. I'll go for a 30 minute walk or, or even a 10 minute walk sometimes or, or randomly literally just walk at the door, go for a sprint back and forth down the road, two, mm-hmm. three minutes. I come back. It's like a, it's like I just took a drug or just crushed a cup of coffee. Like it can literally be that profound and, and you, it, the, that boils down to self-experimentation. I found that that is just like an easy reset sometimes to get me back on track. But um, people so yeah, have to can... use that as a strategy, right? Instead of going for the coffee maker, maybe you go for a walk. And that could be way more effective and is way better for your body beyond just the mental part. Yeah, exactly. You can almost use it as a uh, performance-enhancing substance as well, right? Which is the the exercise component of or the quick bursts of movement. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of cool too, because then you're not searching for the next stimulant. Your 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 movement is your stimulant. It's that self self charging battery phenomenon, and it's that refocus phenomenon, because it's all it almost just jumbles around all these neurochemicals in the brain, and then it allows us to really refocus. Um, back to that those studies they did on that high school district where they they implemented exercise. Not only did they did they inter- implement more movement and exercise into this uh, school district. Um, I forget where it was in the states, but they. They specifically did it before the um, the harder classes, the classes that the students uh, on average did worse in, mm-hmm. um, because they they realized that they would be focused more, and the grades went skyrocketed in these hard classes that they implemented right after movement breaks. So it's like that can be applied to your life too, not just to, in in school. So um, yeah, when you know you need to be focused, do something right before to to kind of get you in that state of being focused. Yeah, so. get your brain ready to actually do work or, or consume knowledge or whatever it's going to do. And I think this is like employers too. Um, the, the bottom line is helped by people that are living a more movement-rich kind of uh, workplace, mm-hmm. right? Like, like the only thing that employers see is, oh, God, I got to pay for another one of these friggin' standing desks. That's all they see. They don't see that a $1,000 standing desk or even 500 or something like you can go very inexpensive. Just get people standing instead of sitting, Right. They don't see that that $500 investment can give them thousands and thousands of dollars in terms of boosted productivity, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of overall happiness, in terms of health, right? Like take the amount of sick days. Um, You know, I I think we would both agree that if we were betting on something, we would both put money on the fact that if people are moving and standing um, and not sitting during the day at work, they will have far fewer issues that they have to come see us in the physio clinic for and we'll take less days off, less sick days right the breathing is better their whole body functions better so their knees don't hurt their backs don't hurt their they have a lesser propensity to get sick just from sitting in a scrunched up position all day right so if you look at that way less sick less sick days better happiness better focus 
it doesn't matter if a standing desk costed like three grand. It's still way worth it when you look at the mm-hmm. long term effects of that. And I think, you know, that's a, the problem is that's a hard one to study. There's so many variables. It's a hard one to do an actual study and like go to them and show this is what happens when people stand more and sit less and you create a more movement rich office space and give them like tangible results this is how much money less it's going to cost you in terms of sick days in terms of lost productivity all that kind of stuff it's a hard study to do which is part of the reason that that's you know a hard thing to go to these companies and say like look this is very simple and this is very um, black and white and we know that this is the case um but i think that once you know when you see it like your brother's a prime example so mm-hmm. your brother's a landscape architect he lives a very active lifestyle um kind of primarily worked outside went into an office and was forced to sit and he was just he said it was brutal on his body so he got his own standing workstation and essentially began a conversation around the whole office about why standing workstation is important and then i think he mentioned that more and more people are getting them now yeah and i think it's it's one of those things where you turn the person who's an outlier and is the only one standing in a sitting dominated workplace and you get the conversation going and explain the benefits and get people to kind of discover it on their own. Then you turn it into something where everyone's standing. And if you're sitting, you're an outlier. And so and so you're almost getting people to gravitate towards being part of the crowd by standing instead of, you know, being the outlier when they're standing. And that's that's huge. That's a big thing for a lot of people, I think. And, and this is going to lead us into that engineering the environment part. But um, the stigma around doing something that's against the norm is one big thing. So if you're in an office that has standard way of doing things, it's going to be tough for you to, to break that mold. Um, but also with like, you know, at home in the home environment with friends, um, you know, if, if you, let's say you didn't have a a couch in your house, you, you'd probably be perceived as a, as a weirdo to a lot of people. If you're, if you had yoga mats lying around your, your TV, but again, some of this is you can walk a fine middle ground because it's like, I don't, I think that a lot of people are too concerned with, with what is normal or what, what yeah. they would look like or what they, um, well, normal they is your do. body breaking down at 40. So no, normal is exactly. overrated as hell. So, you know, breaking away from the norm is, is, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the thing. So maybe let's get into engineering your environment. We can start maybe with the home environment. Cause I think that's uh, that's a good place to go. And then we can get into work a little bit. We just touched on it a bit. Um, and then just overall type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, for home, there's some simple things we can do. We've already mentioned the stand up workstation at, at work. I think for home, that's a good way to go too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having somewhere at home and maybe you also have somewhere your, your typical desk, you don't have to chuck everything that involves sitting out, out the, in the garbage. Like no, that's, take it slow. Just take it slow, but you can put either find a, find a ledge, find a, uh, buy a stand up desk, find something that you can work on from a, from a standing or moving position. Um, and that's one good thing you can implement. Well, just take into account, like where, where do you spend most of your time at home? So when you're home, where where is the bulk of your time spent, right? Some people have an office where they'll sit at their desk and they'll do work there. Some people work from home, which mm-hmm. is an easy, those are the people that have the easiest ways to kind of change this stuff because they can literally just stack up a bunch of books and you can get standing and, and eliminate. You can literally get rid of your chair and you will find a way to still be able to work without sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, where do you spend the bulk of your time? Is it on your couch? You know, a lot of people, I have a lot of patients that have, oh, I got my favorite recliner chair. Yeah. It's like they go there and they spend three hours a day on that chair, right? Unloaded against gravity. And and it's that same thing that you talked about before. Like half the people, two things. One, they're like, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm tired. I just want to sit. And it's like, okay, yeah. did you know that you can energize yourself with movement instead of just continuing to be lethargic and draining your energy by, by sitting? Um, and I can't remember the second thought that I was going to talk about there. 
Just that comfort part of it. Yeah, that whole comfort. It's too easy to just sit and not do anything. So for that person, that chair that they spend three hours in, maybe that's the easy one where they're like, okay, half the time that I usually sit in this chair, I'm going to move first. And then the other half of the time, maybe I'll sit for the Mm -hmm. first little bit. And and those people, the reason we can say half is because they will quickly, if they're consistent with that, they'll quickly realize that the time they spend moving feels so much better. Oh, yeah. And they feel more energized and they feel their bodies feel better, right? They don't get up from the chair feeling like they're in a, a cast and feeling like they're, they just aged 30 years by just lying down for three hours. That's the thing. So that's the easy one to change first. I'll find myself uh, sitting on the couch and, and then I'll just, I'm almost listening to my body more. So it's like if I'm just sitting in one spot, it's like, oh, I'm kind of getting a little antsy or a little uncomfortable here. So that's when I'll get onto the floor. I'll, I'll hang out there for a little while and then it's like, okay, I've had enough of this. Go go back to the couch. So it doesn't have to be like an all or none principle, um, but that couch is a big one. So what you do with your time spent, typically in the evening, is optional big. sitting. Modify yeah. your optional sitting. Okay, if you drive to work every day, that's non-op. I don't know what car you can stand in yet. So the, you have, almost have to break up your sitting into optional and non-optional. A lot of people think sitting at work is non-optional, although it is. Your your employer can't literally force you to put your body in a position that we know, and it's very well documented that it's terrible for your body. Um, so it might be a little bit, they might create a bit of a headache for you to get a standing workstation, but it is optional, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to, you know, find a way to get that in place. Um, but the optional stuff, all, all the sitting you do at home is optional. Yeah. You have the option to not do it. And actually, I just remember what I was going to say before, you know, if at the end of the day, you're like, I'm tired, I just want to sit down. Well, number one, know that you can be energized in movement. But number two, maybe it's a conversation about that opens the door to a conversation about sleep too. And because a it's bunch like of other sleep and stress. Too. If you're red line exhausted at the end of the day and all you've done all day is sit at a computer maybe you have too much stress in your life maybe you're not sleeping eight hours every night because humans aren't designed to be blasted exhausted that they can't even move um you know before bedtime it's not Mm -hmm. that's not normal people i think you know maybe it's the food you're eating whatever it is but you should not be exhausted tired when you get home from work and if you are we got to figure out what variables we can modify so that you're not unless you are actually doing like if you're chopping wood for eight hours like you might be exhausted but then then it comes like yeah, full that's, circle that's around a minority show me someone that chops wood all day those no, people like, are coming into the clinic usually physical laborers like they'll get actually exhausted mm-hmm. a lot of the time i, I used to work interlock and, and um so I'd be lifting and shoveling like all day long and I would be, but the, the beauty of that is that that's actual tiredness. Yeah. And you've earned and what that I do, right to rest. Yeah. And then I'd have the, the best sleeps ever because I'd yeah. actually be tired and I'd wake up refreshed because it wasn't this weird pattern of lethargy. But one thing we can note is just that the floor is a good place to get your mobility work in too. Um, and sitting on the floor is different than sitting on the couch. We've mentioned that before, but it's just really true. It's going to get you to just move positions more. So even if you're just sitting and not focusing on mobility work, um, you sit in one position, change it up, sit in a little bit different position, lean over, sit in another one. So it's it's this constant movement that allows you to just get out of that couch bound position. And you don't have the opportunity to sit with your knees and your hips at 90 degrees when you're sitting on the floor. You just no, don't. Yeah. So you automatically adopt more variety and, you know, at our house we've kind of had reached a compromise i wanted to get rid of the couch the other person i live with did not want to get rid of the couch so the compromise was move the couch back and in front of the tv put mats on the floor like a yoga mat or you can buy these interlocking uh, foam mats off amazon it was 30 bucks and it covers like six feet by four feet or something like that like super cheap put that in a beam and then that way at least you have the option to sit on the mm-hmm. couch or or to stand on a beam or to, to sit on the floor and do some hip mobility work. At least it's there. It's in front of you. It reminds you. The fact that you have to like literally walk around a mat to sit on the couch reminds you that mm, I should probably sit 
on the floor instead of sitting on the couch. Yeah. And what happens over time is that, you know, the couch starts to not feel very good. No. Right? Like you start, the more you move, the the more uncomfortable being in a static sedentary position, especially in like a really deep comfy couch or what most people consider comfy, that doesn't feel very good. You start to get like achy or antsy or, or you just end up wanting to move. And so, you know, what we're finding is that we're using the couch less and less and I think it's getting closer and closer to being just eliminated altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but engineering your environment, like even something as simple as literally putting the couch an extra three or four feet away from the TV can be enough of a reminder. Be like, you know, every time you look at the couch, you're like, oh, geez, that's far. Oh, that's why it's far because I probably shouldn't be spending as much time on there, right? Like almost like hacking your your habits by put, putting in obstacles and, and facilitating the good behaviors and making the bad behaviors more difficult. I agree. So. I think another way to do that, a simple one that's worked for me is just, I, I love kettlebells. So just getting a kettlebell or two for your house, um, That what is that? It just it just provides you a way to, to load yourself a little bit. So you can either just, like I have them in one area and I'll get a workout in with them when I, when I need to. But sometimes I'll just use them for assisted mobility work. Sometimes I'll just do a random set of presses when I'm walking by. Sometimes I'll just carry them up the stairs. So some, it just allows you to load yourself a little bit. It just mimics that being just doing stuff. Like if, again, back to our, do our roots, um, evolutionarily, you just be, you'd be lifting stuff once in a while, doing stuff once in a while. So having a load like a kettlebell, basically a weight with a handle, like that's all it is. Yeah. Um, put one in your house, do stuff with it every once in a while. Carry it around. Carry like it around. Carry it up the stairs and down the stairs yeah i think that's important because i think one of the intimidating factors of um you know being more active is people think that you know let's call a full-blown exercise workout for an hour a meal and let's call you picking up a kettlebell and walking up and down the stairs a snack right i mm-hmm. think that comes from uh, the move Nat team or katie bowman i can't remember where it's from it's really about accumulating snacks and not so much about these massive meals because the big meals are intimidating. The big one hour workout that you got to drive to the gym and all that kind of stuff is intimidating. But the doing five or 10 squats, uh, you know, as uh, between when you're done washing the dishes or when you're cooking something, you throw something in the microwave, you do 10 squats. Like these little snacks accumulate to the point where they really add up and matter way more than the meals you're eating. Oh, for sure. Right. And those snacks, like those little movement snacks that you actually that you take or consume throughout the day actually make you get way more out of the out of the workout meals that you do. Mm-hmm. Right. They just familiarize your body with optimal movement patterns. They refine, they tune your movement, they they maintain your mobility so that when you actually want to go blast your body and work out, you can actually do it with good patterns and you don't break down um prematurely because of the workouts you're doing you can actually use them for 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 a good purpose yeah it's i like that idea of just familiarizing yourself with movement right so it, it's just like you're just doing the the groundwork that's necessary so when you go to the the show um like it's like an athlete who does their training and then all the way up to that competition like you could even say like the analogy of like a crossfit athlete they're doing their their little smaller workouts each day and then they're going to uh, crossfit the crossfit games as a, as a high level competitor they don't work out like that every day right yeah. you can almost bring that back to say like okay well you don't need to do this hardcore workout every day you might you might still like to do that and that's great too but you need to build up the resilience but yeah like you say these little snacks um get your body attuned with it they familiarize yourself with a little bit of load um how you're how you're moving in general how it feels to move um your brain's being worked the whole time you're moving because a lot of your 
brain is devoted to actually moving mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't under- understand that so so your brain like your your motor cortex it's firing everything up it's firing on all cylinders because it move like human movement is complex right um so so it's kind of taking over so the, you're just literally getting better at doing that um the more you do it and you're working your brain out and i think that's mm-hmm. a big thing when when we get into older life and we stop moving as much we sit more you know watch more tv play cards and that might be because your body you know has broken down over the course of your life so that by the time you're 80 you're not left with any other options but by by making sure that you stay moving your whole life you stay mentally sharp like the people that are old in their old age that are mentally the most sharp people that i've spoken to whether it's patients or just people that you encounter are the people that have stayed moving their whole life whether that's going out for a walk every day twice a day or gardening or they have some sort of you know i spoke to james or um the uh the aussie guy for tfc and he met uh i think it was a lady that was 100 she was a centenarian and she was like she was an outlier in the uh, old age home that he worked in as a physio because he was like, how is this lady so with it compared to everyone else? She's older. She moves way better. And, you know, a couple things that he noticed. Number one, she doesn't spend as much time sitting. Number two, when they serve meals, you know, the, the bread and the jello and all the crap that they give people, she just leaves that on her plate. She only eats vegetables and meat protein. So she eats well, she moves well, and she gardened her whole life. So she was on her knees, moving, in a squat, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I was talking to him on the podcast, it really made the connection between someone that moves is someone that maintains brain function throughout their whole life. Yeah. Someone that stops moving starts to shrivel away and you get a lot of these dementia or, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a direct connection, but I would guess that Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all these kind of things later in life that are, are, you know that our brains start to break down or not function as well, probably some of that they is do have a big correlation movement. to movement. Yeah. yeah. Um, how the brain heals itself is a, is a good book that, um, and the, the brain's way of healing, uh, Norman Doidge, I believe. So those books go into actually how movement is, is critical. And, and in something like Parkinson's, for example, it's been shown that, um, movement, there's, there's this one case study and this guy just by moving more and, and forcing himself to move more, he, we, he weaned himself off these meds and all these doctors didn't believe what was happening. Um, so it's this weird thing. And he's, he's devoted his life to actually getting people moving more because, with Parkinson's because a lot of that is due to the, that dopamine center um, in, your, uh, in your cerebellum. So it's like the more you move, like you say, it's not just good for your body, it's good for, for your brain. And if you look at the blue zones around the world, uh, people who live more than 100 years old, movement is always their, uh, one of the components. It's always one of the components um, that they that they link to that diet and movement. And I've, I, I heard that recently. There was one other thing, but it, it, they always pop up. So you're right. The people who live longer are the people who move more over time. And, and it doesn't have to, they aren't the people who've uh, won the Olympics necessarily. They aren't the people who've ran the most marathons. They're the people that just generally move more day to day. And they're not the right? people that won the genetic lottery either. Everyone likes yeah. to say that, oh, that person's got good genetics. It's like, yeah, genetics do play a part, but it's probably a smaller part than what you do with your body your entire life. Guess what matters more than genetics? Epigenetic, epigenetics, right? Yeah, so how the so environment what you're affects doing, your expression. Yeah, uh, what you're doing day to day, the things yeah. you eat, that, that affects your body more than, than what you were born with, right? And we don't want to, like, we're, we're trying to take one dimension and talk about it right the dimension of movement we don't want to oversimplify things and discount the importance of sleep and diet because i think those are equally uh, probably more important um in terms of like foundational elements that you need to be able to to be healthy in general um but really you know what we see as physiotherapists on a day-to-day from the musculoskeletal perspective from people having issues with their joints and their muscles is the fact that 
people spend all day in this sedentary static position sitting in a chair is the big one and people accumulate way more sitting than what they think right we like we talked about this before i think but if you ask someone how much time they spend sitting in a chair what they actually tell you is usually a serious underestimate of how much time they actually spend sitting so if you get Mm -hmm. someone to take a sitting diary and be like okay you think you sit six hours a day in a chair from base, based on how you live your life and what and we'll go into it like okay when you wake up tell me what an average day looks like for you and for the average person it's okay i wake up i go sit on the couch uh, or i sit in a chair at the dinner table and i read the paper or i sit on the couch and i watch sports i make some coffee because i'm fairly groggy um i then take a shower i get in my car i drive i go to work i sit down at work i might go for a little walk or move around at lunch i sit again at work i sit in the car I go home, I sit on the couch, I eat a meal while sitting, I sit on the couch again, and then I go to bed. And mm. I do the whole thing over again. And that accumulation of sitting, the person that estimates maybe, oh, I spend five, six hours in a chair, ends up spending closer to 10 to 12 hours in a chair. Um, they just don't take into account that you know their commute is sitting, sitting on a couch, sitting at dinner table, sitting at meetings, sitting at work. This is all sitting. And and that accumulation is really the the big thing. So it's almost like taking an account, like an, like an accounting spreadsheet. How much sitting do I do? How much of that can I modify and start to chip away at so that less sitting means less time stiffening up my body? And how can I implement non-negotiable daily routine habits of starting to chip away at some of that hip tension? And that's important because if you go from sitting to standing and you haven't changed your sitting hips, standing can actually create just as many problems for you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really that's where that daily maintenance routine is important. Another thing that we talked about that I think people discount is if you're spending more time standing or more time fighting against gravity... Make sure you're not putting yourself at a disadvantage by wearing a positive heeled piece of footwear. If you're standing on a ramp, it's going to mess with your posture. Give yourself the opportunity to actually discover and get back to optimal posture by either, you know, spending time more time without shoes on, whether it's barefoot or sock foot or whatever it is, whatever is socially acceptable and doable at the office or whatnot. Um, Or the eventual goal is if you can't just ditch shoes then make sure you find a shoe that's flat, which is actually very hard to do, right? A shoe that is no higher at the heel than at the forefoot. Because if you stand on a ramp all day, you're going to continue facilitating the, the kind of postural weirdness that happens when you stand on a ramp. Mm-hmm. And, and it facilitates into the exact same pattern that you get from sitting, which is this anterior pelvic tilt, t- tightening up of the ankles, all this kind of funky stuff. And I, I think that's a really important thing to say because the more time you spend standing, the better. The more time you spend moving, the better. But make sure that you're not putting yourself at a disadvantage by standing on a ramp. Mm-hmm. So what, let's let's get into maybe a couple other strategies. And uh, before we end this off, I think that at work, we've already talked about the stand up and sit thing. We've hit that home. Um, but even just little movement breaks at work, like lunch is a prime example. What are you doing at your lunch hour? Is it, a, again, is it a time that you're sitting again? Or is it a time that you can take advantage of? Um even a half hour lunch period is a good time to be able to get in a, you know, a 10 minute walk or something like that. But a lot of people are, have these like hour long lunches, right? So what are you doing? <laughs> and most that of that sitting at, a, at the lunchroom table. Yeah. So that's a yeah. great time to be able to do stuff. Now, I know, um, for me, sometimes I get a workout in at my, if I have a break or a lunch. Um, but again, just going out for a walk, 
it gets you outdoors, right? It gets the sun on your skin a little bit. Um, winter or summer just just gets you uh, just gets you moving, right? So that can be a good way to reset your body, prime you for the afternoon, uh, midday. So that's a that's another example. Uh, I like walking in the morning, so I'll, I'll get up and I'll just do it. Sometimes just a ten minute walk. Same to thing. Wake yourself up. Wake myself up. Yeah. Um, so that's another another strategy there. Uh, but again, these are just little things that you can implement day to day. And maybe you don't do them every day, but you'll start to see that they build momentum and that becomes your life. You, you need to look at reframing and, and restructuring your lifestyle because a lot of these, a lot of what we see today in modern medicine and why people are breaking down is just lifestyle related. It's just simply mm-hmm. lifestyle choices and habits and patterns that we get into yeah. that we need to somehow break. It's the other so, 15 hours. I, I've started yeah. to use that saying a lot more now because I find it's very powerful it's like it's not about the one hour of exercise you do because the one hour of exercise you do does not come close to offsetting the 15 hours that you just spent sedentary or Mm -hmm. or you know the 12 hours or 10 hours whatever it is in fact the time that you spend sedentary is actually making exercise turn into something that's causing your body to break down prematurely and making you come see me right so it's like those 15 hours those those the the non-eight hours that you sleep the non-one hour that you exercise those other 15 hours in a day that you have every single day we need to think we need to get start getting people thinking differently about what they're doing during those hours and trying to implement strategies to to just clean that up right reduce the amount of time they spend in the chair implement some sort of daily uh mobility routine to offset the sitting that they've done their entire lives until now because when i when you see someone that graduated university or you know physio school for example you just spent you know how many years of high school four years mm-hmm. four years of high school four years of undergrad two years of a master's, the bulk of that is sitting in a classroom during the day. So it's 10 years of sitting that you've accumulated. So when we, well, like when we graduated physio school, my body was the stiffest I ever was in my entire life because I had just accumulated 10 years of a lot of sitting and the sports I played actually created, uh, you know, a lot of times I had these little nagging injuries. And now that I look back, it's because of all the sitting that I did that I got those injuries. (laughs) That's the thing. So so we just got to get people to, we got to demystify things a little bit. Start slowly. That's yeah. one of the the uh, the messages I will leave you with is that is that it doesn't have to be a lot of this stuff is all is overwhelming to hear so because it's like oh I, I got to restructure my whole existence now right yeah it needs to be um, sustainable you need to do something that's very very slow so it can start with five minutes something five minutes a day uh, it can start with just looking at your workstation right these these little things uh, not just to get the ball rolling um, because anything health related is uh, is the same kind of process you just need to chip away at it and develop these habits so. Yeah. And I mean, don't look at sitting at work as non-optional. I think that's a big thing, right? Like that's the bulk of where people do their sitting. So when someone says, oh, you know, it's very, everyone in my office sits or it's going to be really hard. You know, I asked before and my employer was like, yeah, you need a doctor's note or you need this and that. Like they make it, they put up obstacles to make it so that not everyone can just say, I'd like a standing workstation. They don't just hand them out like candy. Mm -hmm. Right. I really think that, you know, employers should actually be trying to get people standing and making it as hard how hard they're making it to get a standing workstation a lot of times they should make it that hard to get a sitting workstation knowing full well the benefits in terms of productivity and health and happiness and all that kind of stuff even though employees might not like it at the start it's like you should have someone that's aware of the movement world that's part of your company that helps everyone transition to a standing workstation Mm -hmm. and that might be you know uh a mandatory 15-minute mobility session for everyone at the first. You give everyone an extra 15 minutes on their lunch break, so it's paid, and you get everyone as a group to do hip mobility work. 
that would be massive so from a workplace perspective yeah you're right like if you had and you're seeing some of the newer companies more forward-thinking companies starting to do this but having like the actual environment to be able to accomplish more movement um beyond the stand-up desk so like a a yoga room or a mobility stretching room Mm -hmm. um you know a gym at the office a lot of people do have that a lot of people don't take advantage of it but just places that you can actually put this into fruition and and actually do your thing so from an employer standpoint um because that's a big element of this right we're we're not talking about the apples and the googles that have so much money they don't even know what to do with and can have all these employee you know their their employees are spoiled yeah. Right. But the average company, until they realize the benefits of people spending less time sitting and more time moving, um, until they're told and, and kind of shown those benefits, what reason would they have to spend more money to mm-hmm. get people standing when they don't even know it's of benefit? So and back to like what I was saying before on the employee side, it is optional. You might have to do jump through some hoops and, and go through all these kind of obstacles to get a standing workstation as your as your you know workplace workstation but it's well worth it, mm-hmm. right? And then it just becomes a matter of how do I learn how to offset all the sitting that I've done my whole life so that I can stand in good alignment. And, you know, I can't remember the stat. I'm probably going to butcher this. But I think switching, getting away from sitting and going to standing um, for your eight-hour workday is the equivalent in terms of energy expenditure of running like 40 marathons a year or something like that, right? Because yeah. fighting gravity is hard. You expend, you use calories, you use energy to fight gravity, even though it's just standing, Um and then it just, yeah, you end up, you know, from a weight loss perspective or, you know, even more importantly, from a body health and joint health perspective, um, that's a big element that people have to kind of get to. And maybe that's not the, the first thing you tackle, right? The first thing you tackle is those two hours on the couch at the end of the day. And the beautiful thing is that it's really not about sacrifice. It's not like, oh, my God, I got to do two hours of hip mobility work and, I, you know, I can't be watching TV. No, you can still watch TV. All I have to do is get off the couch, put them out mm-hmm. on the floor, get on the floor. And, and at the start, it doesn't even matter if you're, you know, people are like, oh, well, I don't know if, what should, should I do 90-90? Should I, what should I do? It's like, well, it doesn't matter because you're not in the chair position. So mm. however you're going to sit or stand or, or not be in the couch means that you're exploring some, you're exploring more, mobi- more mobility than what you usually do. And that's exactly. the important part, right? Like that is, that's the big thing. And these little movement snacks, like put things around your house that, that trigger, um, a thought to get moving more you know if there's a kettlebell hanging around if there's three or four kettlebells hanging around your house it's very easy just to look at them and be like oh i'm just gonna pick that up and i'm gonna carry it to another spot and i'm yeah. gonna put it here and you know it becomes this thing where it's like a healthy annoyance to be like okay it's like it, and it becomes fun mm-hmm. right like carrying a kettlebell around that most people are like oh yeah, yeah these guys are weirdos but it's like when you do it and you feel your core engage and you feel your body get these little micro challenges just by carrying a little load around your house like that's so easy it's so yeah. it's so efficient and it's so easy and um, even the thing that Katie Bowman talks about is stacking your life. Like if you're standing at a standing workstation, it's really not that hard to put a lacrosse ball near one of the legs of your standing desk and roll at your feet while you're at work. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally restore the health of your feet if you're, you know, either wearing a functional shoe or ideally you're barefoot or in sock foot when no one else is around. Um, and you can you can maximize your efficiency of incorporating more movement instead of taking a bunch of extra time out of your day you just do things together it's way easier to do all these things if you're standing or you're or you're moving all day um and, and it's easier to remember yeah right so that that's what it's about it's how do you how do you troubleshoot and how do you make it f- fail fail proof basically you know if you want the really fail proof way to get started is move your couch 
10 feet away from your TV, put a yoga mat and a two by four there. And you give yourself no option, you know, as long as you don't move the couch back over there. Um, you give yourself no option but to do some sort of movement every day without sacrificing, you know, being able to watch sports or Netflix or whatever your whatever your shtick is. So exactly. It doesn't have to be difficult is the biggest thing. Right? Start slow, start somewhere and just engineer things in your tier advantage. Yeah. So um, anyway, hopefully that kind of clarifies um, a couple different strategies and, and gives you a, maybe a little bit more reasoning or rationale behind why we need to go from sedentary a sedentary life, lifestyle to a movement-rich lifestyle. Um, and I think hopefully that gives you some explanations on, on places you can go or places you can get that ball rolling. So anyway, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.